0: In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 23, we read these words. And I want to say that my thoughts were provoked uh, by talking uh, to Nick Welsh, who was over at Canby Island, and and after the meeting, I went out to lunch with him yesterday, or should I say he came out to lunch with us yesterday, uh, because I paid for it. And... um, Had a nice Chinese meal. And uh, obviously he's a cultured person. And as we were talking, things came to me. uh, And very much I wanted to share. One of the biggest problems in Christianity today is everyone wants an explanation. A how-to. How to do this, how to do that. And I remember when I was... uh, a youngster, there used to be yellow and black books uh, that were put out and it was teach yourself this, teach yourself that. How many remember those teach yourself books, you know? And and you could teach yourself anything according to the books. And it was quite easy, teach yourself Greek, teach yourself Latin, teach yourself English, teach yourself whatever you wanted to teach yourself. And they bought out masses of these books and They sold masses of them because people like to be able to do it themselves. And what has happened is that people want explanations of the how-to. How to do this, how to do that. And unfortunately the Christian church has fallen into the trap of trying to discover the how-to's. And I want to deal with how-to's. Uh, tonight so that you can understand how to and the truth is you can't but we look at it from scripture because when you try and come into a place of discovering a formula you'll find that Jesus Christ breaks all the formulas because he hasn't got a formula there is no right way of doing anything because Jesus in his day upset all the people that thought they'd got the right way. The religious people thought they'd got it all sussed, they knew exactly the way to do it, and every denomination through history has got to a place where it's decided it's got the right way, and this is the way it'll be done, and if you do it this way, then God's bound to do something, and God doesn't do anything. And you'll often find people that are bogged down with problems because... People have told them the how-tos. Got to do this, got to do that. I was talking to a dear lady the other day, and she said to me, well, she said, I live in a big house. Well, that's all right. There's nothing sinful about that, is there? What is there? So I live in a big house. She said, it's in a big field. I thought, well, there's nothing wrong with that. You live in a big house in a big field. It's better than living in a big house in a small field. Because how would it fit? And she said, "Now I have a problem, she said. I said, what's your problem? She said, I need deliverance from fear. I said, you need deliverance from fear? She said, yes. She said, because I live in a big house in a big field, I'm very nervous being there on my own when my husband goes away for a few days because there's no neighbours nearby and I don't like being on my own um, and the counsellor, has told me that I've got to stay there to overcome my fear. And I said, well, look, dear, the truth is, fear is a gift of God. And if I was in a big house, in a big field, all on my own, I might get nervous too. I said, it's a perfectly normal apprehension when a woman of middle age is left on her own, in an enormous house, all on her own, with no neighbours anywhere nearby, to get a bit nervous. I said, there'll never be a day when Jesus Christ is going to take away that kind of anxiety. Why not have someone come and stay with you? She said, oh I was told it would be sinful and giving in to fear to have someone stay with you. I said, no, it'd just be intelligent. I said, you want to get delivered from fear? Just invite someone to come and stay with you dear. You don't get delivered from fear. Look, as a Christian, God's not going to take away natural fears, otherwise you're going to step off the pavement in front of a bus. And that's going to upset the bus. Now the reason you don't is because you don't want to be made marmalade. Now there is a natural apprehension when you hear a bus trundling along and a natural fear that tells you, if I step in front of that bus, I'm going to be squashed. Now that's a gift of God, it keeps you on the pavement. Amen? And you see, a lot of people are trying to get God to take away from them things that are normal. And some cockeyed Christian has told them, if you got full of the Holy Ghost, you become abnormal. You could live like a hermit and be happy. I couldn't. That's the truth. And I don't ever try and tell someone, believe that God's going to come in and make you abnormal. He won't. He'll make you normal. Well, as normal as a person can get, I mean. But there she was, she'd got all these inhibitions and fears and anxieties plonked on her by some well-meaning Christian who was trying to tell her there's victory in Jesus. But there isn't victory in Jesus over certain things. I do not like going up a mountain and looking over a precipice because I feel that there is a possibility, should I look over it and a gust of wind come, that I will be marmalade. I don't like it, now I don't like heights because it seems to me that there is no purpose served in going up and endangering your species upon the brittle rocks below by clambering up. I, I, now My wife doesn't think like that, but I do. Well, women never have any intelligence over these things. Men do. And, and there's nothing wrong with a certain amount of anxiety. It's called common sense, which women lack. <laughs> However, I looked down over it. Now some people say, oh, but you know, God will take that away. He won't. (laughs) Do you know the reason he won't? It says because in that day it's going to fill in the valleys and flatten the mountains. See, it's going to be all flat and plain. Especially done for me. (laughs) Hope you understand. It says that in the Bible. There is nothing that Jesus Christ is going to do that is going to make you abnormal Uh, and you've got to understand that a lot of things that people are asking God to do in their lives he'll never do because he had no intention of doing it in the first place I mean the Lord has no intention strangely enough of me running a four minute mile not that I could you're being very rude down there I could if I was in my car, but there is no sense in which I can. Now, I know people who are crazy enough to believe that you can, you know, take someone like me who actually, I I must admit, apart from slight age and wear and tear, fine specimen of health gone wrong and so at my age I know that there's no possibility but had I done it when I was younger I still couldn't have done it because I'm not built for that I'm built more for a wing forward in rugby Uh, that's how I broke my nose and had it put roughly back in the middle and I I learned there there were limitations and everyone's got limitations and look God isn't gonna make you a different person than you were born there's some people who have some aspects in their life and other people that have other aspects in their life and I want to assure you of something one thing you've got to get into your hearts and minds is that when Jesus saves you he saves you as you and you remain you give thanks to God that you're you and don't think that God is miraculously going to make you someone else because he won't you'll still be you There's a lot of natural attributes about you that are going to be you. Now, what God will do is sanctify you. God will deal with certain things in your life. But basically, in the end, your personality and your characteristics are going to be you. There is no way you're suddenly going to become a divinely sweet person. There's no way you're going to become a different character than you were before you were saved in the true sense of of just the actual personality wise what will happen is the life of Christ will shine out through your personality but you'll still be you if you were one of those people who like rock climbing and enjoy windsurfing and other barbaric sports then you will be able to continue to do it but someone who didn't will find that they haven't, because they met Christ, suddenly become that way. And and one of the hardest things to get over to people is, hey, just a minute, God never intended to make you anything but what you are. And if only you could learn to accept that Christ, when he comes in, isn't going to make you another person. That's a lie of the devil. You are you. And thank God for you, because Jesus died to save you. He didn't die to save an embodiment of himself. He died to save you, who should become part of his body. But the aspect and reflection of the personality of you is vital in that body to reflect the wonderful manifold grace of God. In other words, the grace of God can shine through your personality as much as through someone else's personality. And there's many, many things that need to shine through you, but God won't somehow transform you and make you like everyone else. The life of Christ will be the same, the spirit will be the same, but you'll be different. And Christianity has become cultural. What has happened in a lot of churches, everyone's trying to be like someone else and they're told to be a Christian you've got to do this, 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 this and this and that and that and that and the truth is you haven't what you've got to do is be yourself but you've got to allow the life of Christ to shine through you as you are the real you needs to stand up and a person who's truly coming to Christ is liberated to be themselves I was speaking to another woman she said to me uh, reason he said well I've had a nervous breakdown I'm in the middle of nervous breakdown I said my dear you've never had a nervous breakdown he said I've had two I said no you haven't oh yes I have I said no you haven't you've never had a nervous breakdown in your life so well the doctor said I should go and see a psychiatrist I said you don't need a psychiatrist so well what makes you say that I said, because you haven't had a nervous breakdown I said, well how can you say that I said it's simple I just speak. <laughs> she wanted to know the how to. And she said, Well, you know, how can you say? Look, she said, The doctor's told me. And it, I said, Look, my dear, the trouble with you is you've got it wrong. You are in a job that's highly stressful, you've become totally emotionally exhausted because of the stress in your job and she looked after mentally handicapped children who became very violent who attacked the other children and attacked her and she had to press a bell in the classroom to get help and they'd come and kind of overpower the one that was hitting everyone and biting everyone and spitting at everyone and kicking everyone and they'd overpower them and and drag them off and she lived in that tension, she'd been doing the job for 15 years and she found that it totally exhausted her and totally wore her out And some nutty Christian, and I call him a nutty Christian who did need to see a psychiatrist, told her, told her, look, there's victory in Christ. But there are some people that can cope with that type of situation, stressful as it is, and there are other people who haven't got the personality and character to cope with it. And I said, you haven't got the character and personality to cope with it, get out. She said, but I'd be defeated. I said, no, you wouldn't be defeated. You'd be sensible. I said, all you've got is nervous exhaustion because you're trying to do a job that you can't cope with. Just relax. There's nothing wrong with you. You're as sane as anyone else, but you're in the wrong job. Get out. Get the right job. She said, do you really mean that? I said, of course I do. I said, you're not naughty. But you've worked with nuts, and you've got an even nuttier person advising you. Get out from under it and do something that you can cope with. Because different people have different aspects to their personality. And if you can't take the pressure, it's crazy carrying on and saying, Jesus, give me victory. While you're emotionally drained and you're so exhausted, you can hardly bear it. You just, you just face the fact, hey, th- this isn't the job I should be doing. I said, do you really mean that? I said, yeah. I said, you don't need a psychiatrist. You just need a change of atmosphere. I said, well, that's easy. I so, said, of course it's easy. Everything's easy in God, you know. So, well, you mean I'm normal? I said, of course you're normal. He so, said, you don't think I'm crazy? I said, no, you're not crazy. So the people that are crazy are the people that are advising you. And a lot of people are under tremendous pressure in the Christian church to do something that they're not equipped to do. And they're told, well, Jesus will make you victorious in it. No, he won't. If he hasn't equipped you to do it and you're in the wrong place, get out and get in the right place. It's easy, isn't it? It's easy, isn't it? Do you agree? It's obvious, isn't it? You see, you become a pastor by having what's called common sense. Do you know the Prime Minister... John Major Thank God he's Prime Minister and not the other thing, you know On the other side, good gracious, God deliver us all from that But, anyway, John Major, he made a statement And I think it's quite a sensible statement He said, if you want to run a country, what you need is common sense You don't need intellect or intelligence, you need common sense Now I believe in common sense, we all need common sense, don't we? But it isn't very common That's the trouble I don't know why they call it common sense, because it's one of the rarest things to find. I mean, that's all a, pas- a pastor, is a person who's just got common sense. I didn't try and cast demons out of this poor woman that thought she was having a breakdown. I told her, just just get out of that and you'll be fine. Said, oh, well, thank you very much for that, you know. I said, don't, don't bother to waste money on a psychiatrist, you know. If you go to one, you're definitely mad. Because no one goes to a psychiatrist who's sane. Um, And that's the end of it. That's what I believe. And actually the Bible agrees with me, so we're going to go on with it. I just wanted to lay some groundwork, okay? You're all with me so far. Now if you're one of these people that say, goodness me, every time I do a job I have a nervous breakdown, watch out, it doesn't mean you should go on the dole. I'm not suggesting that, I just want to make that plain. You've got to be careful, you know, different people have said different things to me. People have said, ah, you know, work kills me. You know the saying of the unemployed, don't you? Work never killed anyone, so why risk being the first? And they never take the risk, they never do anything. Anyway, praise God. Let's look at the Scripture. You've got to look with common sense at the Scriptures. All right? And I I want to get your hearts fixed on Scripture. Uh, And you'll find in uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 23, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people now you might not have realized that sickness has manners but he healed all manner and it doesn't matter what manner it comes in Jesus is there to heal it all manner of sickness and all manner of disease amen and when Jesus is around he heals all manner of disease and all manner of sickness now it's obvious that if you get something come into your life that shouldn't be there if a person smokes for instance they're going to end up with a bad chest now when god heals them and god will out of mercy and love if they go back to become fag end joel they're going to end up with cancer or fag end lil You've got to quit the filthy habit because it's killing your body. We keep ourselves, obviously, with intelligence, free of things that are going to destroy us. Amen? You can't ask God to protect you if you put yourself into hazards. Can you? I mean, if you go and you say, Oh Lord, Jesus Christ is a strong tower. The righteous run in and are safe. I'm flying tomorrow to Baghdad to witness for Jesus. I think you're a fool. If God hadn't told you to do it, say, I'm gonna save Saddam Hussein. It's crazy. I know people that do it. There are people that go to Turkey. They say, I'm gonna witness for Jesus in Turkey and they end up in prison. And then they write to their MP and they say, I'm in prison. Well, you know that they put people in prison for witnessing for Jesus on the streets. So if you stick your head in a lion's mouth and it goes, Om! and you find you're headless, don't be surprised. Now, if God told you, then you'd be like Daniel and the lion couldn't shut its mouth. But you don't step out and do something suicidal without God's word. Amen. And it's the same with health. Health has got to be tempered with common sense, hasn't it? That's why I don't like to go where someone's smoking. Frankly, I find it's a filthy habit. It's disgusting. It's inconsiderate to everyone else. It's polluting. And I don't see why I should have their filthy pollution in my lungs. If they want to kill themselves. Let them go and, and do it somewhere well away from me. Now, that's my opinion. I think it's a very fair opinion. I have a right to breathe fresh air, as long as it's not Blackpool. And, and you have a right to breathe fresh air, and it's wrong that someone should impose their, their wrongness on us, isn't it? Well, is that fair or right? Amen? That's why no Christian should ever smoke, because that shows a lack of consideration for other people. Pure selfishness. Apart from anything else. Suicidal too. If you turn with me to Luke's Gospel. Chapter 4. You'll find I actually meant chapter 5. Verse 17. This was a scripture that was read out the other night and and things came to my spirit and provoked me and I just want to share it uh, with you. Um, And in verse 17, it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them now here are doctors here are doctors of law here are Pharisees and they're all sitting by they'd come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem the power of the Lord was present to heal them and no one got healed Now, the reason no one got healed was because they wanted to discuss the how-to's, the why's and the wherefore's. And that's the problem with most Christians. Today, it's easier for someone to walk in off the street into a church and get healed than it is for a Christian to get healed. Because a Christian has so many ifs, buts, maybes, ands, becauses that he doesn't get healed. Now understand that that was the trouble with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people of the law. There they were sitting down, and even though the power of God was there to heal, they wanted to have a discussion as to what were the rights and the wrongs and the pros and the cons. Now I want to assure you that when Jesus Christ comes to heal someone, he heals them just because he loves them. There is no right and wrong, there's no how to or therefore or because God does it because God's God. And that's it. And that's what I love my Jesus for. He really doesn't care about your doctrine. He doesn't care about what you think or what you believe. He doesn't care about the niceties of whether you can cross every T and dot every I. He doesn't care about all your theories of whether Israel's a spiritual Israel or a natural Israel and what your opinion is of it. All he cares about is you have a need and he loves you. And that's it. He doesn't care whether Jerusalem's going to be liberated and the Jews are going to set up a kingdom for the millennium or not. It really doesn't. And it won't matter what you believe about it, because whatever's going to happen is going to happen, whether you believe it or not. Isn't it? Well, isn't it? You know, it's just going to happen. And when it's happened, you'll probably find that most of your theories were cockeyed anyway. Time after time, men have worked out theories of what's going to happen, you know, pre-millennialist, post-millennialist, up-millennialist, down eschatology, college, Whatever they want to call it. And they say, well, you know, do you understand this? Do you un-? I don't care. Frankly, all I know is a sick person doesn't care what the name of the medicine is. They just care that it cures them. They don't care how it's made. They just care that it's effective. They don't care how much learning went into prescribing it, they just care that it meets their need. And what we have in Christendom today is people telling us methods of getting this and getting that and getting the other. And I see most people fail to get anything because they're trying to reach and aspire to something which God never ever set. You know, one of the things that upset me over the the time I was down there, someone got up and said, well, you know, God didn't heal because the church didn't hate, hate sickness enough. That was absolute garbage. Because I want to tell you, when Jesus walked on the earth, he healed all manner of sickness, and I'm sure they didn't hate sickness any more than we did. He healed everyone. So that can't be true. Look, it's not what I do, it's what Jesus does that counts. And the thing is, he's a wonderful saviour, and he loves you. And he's not so concerned that you get everything right. All his concern is coming and putting you right. Jesus is the divine physician. He's not concerned that you've got it all right. He's concerned that he can come in and meet your need. He loves you. And that's the only thing he wants. Don't think, oh, I've got to believe all the right things. Of course you haven't. But when Jesus comes and meets you, you'll start believing the right things because you're met. People don't need doctrine. They need to meet the Savior. They don't need teaching all how-tos. They just need to meet the person. Jesus, the person. God, the third person. His son, Jesus Christ, Lord of glory. All you've got to do is meet him. He's the healer. It doesn't matter what you believe. Believe the wrong things if you like. But I want to tell you, God will do it because he loves you. So if you're one of these people that thinks you've got to get some great knowledge first, I want to tell you, load of rubbish. Better to know nothing. Because these doctors and these doctors of the law, and these Pharisees, were all sitting there, all disputing, all questioning, all complaining. The power of God was there to heal, and everyone remained sick. And then what happened was, uh, verse 18, And behold, men brought in in a bed, A man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and lay him before him. And they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude. You know, there's so many people pressing into Jesus with questions and dissertations and arguments. That when someone has a real need, they can't get near to the true Christ. Because everyone wants to ask questions and have doctrines and theories about it. And those things don't matter. So this four said, well, there's only one way to get in. And they climbed up, you remember, on the rooftop. They went up upon the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto the man, Man, thy sins be forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. See, that's where they lived, in their minds. God's power was there to heal, but what they wanted to do was reason. Now God's power has nothing to do with reason. It never has had, and it never will have. So if you want a reason, don't bother to come and ask to be prayed for. Because healing is unreasonable. God will heal you, but it's totally beyond reason. You ask any doctor when they see someone healed, I can't explain it. They say, you see, it's beyond reason. Well, I don't know. But people like reason. Reason. we're going to see it in a minute. The Bible explains everything. Don't ever ask God how. Don't ever ask God why. Learn to say thank you. And leave it at that. Don't ever try and get an explanation. Why did this person die? Because they died. That's it. I don't have a reason. I don't have an explanation. I just know they died. Why did God heal this person and not that person? Because he did. Do I have a theory? Frankly, no. Do I have an explanation? No. Do I have an understanding? Yes. God healed him and didn't heal him. that's it how could that person have received healing who didn't get healed I don't know but what I do know is it's God's will to heal everyone and I have no explanation and I don't try and reason it out I just know that I pray for the sick and it's God's job to heal them and he takes all the glory for the successes and it's his responsibility what happens to the failures. Therefore, it's nothing to do with me. All I know is he yielded that one and not that one, and that's his job. He knows his business, doesn't he? And I think once we try to explain to everyone the reasons, and these people, they wanted a reason. You know, what's this? Put their glasses on. Who's this? And then they they said, they began to reason, saying Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They hit the nail on the head. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason you in your hearts, whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. Which is the easiest? Well, I want to tell you which is the easiest. It's easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee. Because you don't have to prove that the sins are forgiven. It's more difficult to say, rise up and walk. Because if the guy doesn't rise up and walk, everyone's going to be able to see he hasn't risen up and walked. Aren't they? Hey, I mean, when he asks them, which is the easiest... I tell you, it's it's easy to pray over someone and say, God forgives you everything. But it's more difficult when they lay there on a bed to say, rise up and walk, because that requires faith. To say your sins be forgiven, you can be based on hope. You hope they are. Because Jesus has said, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you the same. But there's no proof when you jump up out your bed there's proof isn't there amen you know i, I i'm a practical person i'm sorry if it's not a profound theological uh, dissertation but i don't actually have much profound dissertation in me but it, it's true isn't it up you hop and you're on your way now that that takes more faith than just saying your sins are forgiven wouldn't you agree If anyone finds it easier to say, rise up and walk, come up here and take over. Because I need you here now. That's the truth. That's why evangelicals love to preach the gospel of your sins be forgiven you. But when it comes to saying to people, rise up and walk, they cough and say, it's not for today. They've got their reasons. Terrible. And then he says, verse 24, But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive your sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up that whereupon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed. And they glorified God, and were all filled with fear, saying, We've seen strange things today. See, they reasoned. Woo! That is peculiar. How did he do it? He just did. You can't understand God's power. You just know it works. Don't ever let anyone try and reason you into power. Look at this. Turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 9. We'll look at one more scripture. John's Gospel, chapter 9. And there's a story about someone who was blind. and you remember his parents um, uh, verse 19 we'll take from chapter 9 verse 19 and they asked them saying is this your son who you say was born blind you know he can see now how then doth he now see how does he do it if your son was born blind parents we want to know how he sees see the miracle had happened but here are the pharisees and the lawyers they want to know the how of it how did it happen? explain it they wouldn't even accept that he was born blind now skepticism he was blind said how did he see his parents answered them and said we know that this is our son and that he was born blind But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents, because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Then again calleth they the man that was blind, and said unto him, Give God the praise. That's nice, isn't it? Here's a man who's already giving God the glory, because he was blind and now he sees, and they're upset by this. So they say, Give God the praise, and then add, We know that this man is a sinner. Speaking of Jesus. Nice of them, isn't it? we don't have any explanation one thing we know this man isn't the right man to do these miracles they could not do any this man shouldn't be doing them you didn't go along to that church did you and get prayed for and healed well give God the glory for getting healed but don't go there what you got that man to pray for you And you got to hit, well, well, give God the glory, but you know, you, do you know about that man? Do you know about that man, Jesus? He's a sinner. Terrible fellow. All wrong. Give God the glory, but. See, it never changed in 2,000 years. Same old way that people are. They can't do the works themselves so they won't let anyone else have the, the opportunity to do them. And they say, keep away. Must be the devil. Well, oh, miracles? Not for today, you know. They went out with the ark. When the rainbow came. God wants to see miracles revived in his church. But the trouble is, the denominations don't want that anymore because it upsets all the mold upsets everything. It kind of upsets the status quo. I mean, you can't be important unless you've got the power. And you see, if you have the power, you'll upset the dignitaries, so you better not do it. You know, John Wesley, he he was a clergyman. He said, "What? thousands are getting converted. People fall off their horses in the field. Well, don't come in our churches and they locked him out and so he became a field preacher why did he become a field preacher and take a room at a gunnery because the church wouldn't have him he said dear old oh dear this works what he's got what we've got doesn't work he'll show the rest of us up so sling him out Whitfield tremendous ministry they closed all, all the bishops forbade anyone to have him in their church because what he'd got worked So, get rid of him Booth. Tremendous man. Founded the Salvation Army. Used of God. People converted by the thousand. Whoop! Closed the churches. Do you realize that? That's what all denominations have always done. They said, if anything works, let's get rid of it. Say, so, well, and that's what they did with Jesus. Here was a man who came along. The rest of them just had religion. And suddenly Jesus comes along. The sick get healed. The lame jump with joy the blind see and they say hey how's this happening well we know this guy's a sinner I mean he's not one of us is he give him the chop Let's get rid of him so they do it's terrible isn't it man's attitude I think they'd be delighted wouldn't you wouldn't you think if you heard of America, you'd say that's just wonderful wouldn't you Ooh. You know, that's just glorious. Glorious to hear something shriving. Not a bit of it. They say, kill it. It's called envy. And they, they were envious of Jesus. They said, this, we've got to snuff out. So they tried. That's why I believe it's important we go out and we declare. That's why we send a paper out. Put it in 43,000 homes so people can know that Jesus Christ will heal them, Jesus Christ will deliver them. Someone said, uh, Nick Welsh said to me, he said, you know, it was lovely. He said, I was so thrilled reading your paper. He came from America and he said someone gave him the paper and he sat there and it overjoyed his heart just to read it and read of the miracles. And he said, ah, he said, it's wonderful. And he said, it's good that you've got the courage to put out a paper into your neighborhood and tell everyone what's going on. It's great to do that, because more people will come and get met by God. And he said, you know, some people say that that's arrogance and that's pride. It's not. It's just, why not tell people, hey, you know, that's what the multitudes did. They went around saying, Do you know, there's someone over there who can heal. His name is Jesus. Have you heard? We saw blind people seeing. We saw deaf people hearing. We saw miracles happening. Do you know, if you go along to that man, you'll get healed. And they came flocking to Jesus, the multitudes, for healing. That was the ministry of Jesus. They said, hey, don't you know? Now, in this day and age, there are so many skeptics. You've got to put out color newspapers and say, look, you know, you can be healed. People say, well, you know, they read the paper, they ring up and say, I didn't know there was healing, I didn't know that was in the church. Well, I'll go along to that. I think everyone would be delighted. But they're not. So, whoa! Be careful. Don't know what it is. So they so say, this man, Jesus, look at this. We know that this man is a sinner, verse 25. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I don't know. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Well, I don't care about his antecedents, and I don't care where he comes from, and I don't care what he's done One thing I know, I was born blind and I can see. Thank you very much. And look at what they say. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? I mean, what did he do? Just tell us how he did it. So maybe we could do it too. Except they didn't put that over. You know, they wanted to know the secret. Man always wants to know the secret. I remember years ago, I used to pray for the sick, and people would get healed, miracles would happen, and someone came to me and they said, all right, it says in the Bible, you can lay hands on other people and impart the gift. I want you to impart your gift to me. chap so said it to me. He was a curate. Couldn't cure anyone. But he was called a curate. He said, impart your gift. I said, I'm sorry, I can't. I said, there you are, you're proud, you want to keep it for yourself. Paul imparted gifts to other people, you impart your gift to me. Lay hands on me and do it. I said, look, I'm sorry, I can't do that. So there you are, you see, it's arrogance, you just want to keep it for yourself. If you really cared, you'd impart it to me so I could go out and do it. Can you imagine that kind of mentality? Well, that was the same mentality that the Pharisees and the lawyers had. They said, how did he do it? Tell us his secret. Then we'll go and do it too. But you can't do it that way. But that's the trouble with the church today. Everyone's got a method. The method to heal the sick is this, or the method to heal the sick is that. You do it this way, do it that way. But the truth is, there is no method it's to do with a person, his name is Jesus and all you have to do is meet him and he does it and that's the end of it and what a person presents is not a doctrine, a teaching or a how to just bring them to Jesus and let him do it It's very easy look how this blind man answers I love this. He's got a real sense of humor, this blind man. (laughs) He answered them, I have told you already and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? (laughs) Do you you guys want to follow him too? (laughs) He said, I've told you once, you want to hear again. Do you want to follow him? No, they wanted to find out his secret. See, you can't find out that secret. It's God. Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. And we know that God spake unto this unto Moses, As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why? Herein is a martyr marvelous thing that you should know not from whence he is and yet he hath opened mine eyes now we know that God heareth not sinners but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will him he heareth since the world begun it it was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind if this man were not of God he could do nothing they answered and said unto him what Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. He might have been altogether born in sins. He might have been born blind, but now he could see, and he had a good sense of humor. And he said to them, look here, he says, look. Have you ever heard of anyone else opening the eyes of one who was born blind? Of course they hadn't. He nailed them. This wonderful man. I love his sense of humor. He says, well, you know, you you, you can call him what you like, but I know one thing. He did it. And that's all he cared about. He didn't care about doctrine. He just cared about the truth. It was Jesus. I want to tell you tonight, God will heal you. Not because of any doctrine, not because of any teaching, not because of any belief. Just because Jesus is Jesus and he came to heal the sick, deliver the captive loose the blind and forgive your sins he's wonderful saviour and really you might have believed all the wrong things, you might not understand anything and it doesn't matter really but after you're healed you'll understand it was Jesus And people will come to you and say, how did it happen? You'll say, well I don't know gee, you didn't go there did you? well one thing I know I was sick as a parrot and now I'm perky. <laughs> One thing I know I know that God met me. Oh, well, do you know they believe this? They believe, well, they might, but who cares? Amen. <laughs> and it's a wonderful, I love the gospel. I love the simplicity that's in Jesus Christ where you don't have to be some super spiritual nutcase. You can just be a normal individual with just common sense and say, hey, I'm sick, I need healing. Jesus is a healer, thanks very much. I'm coming to him. Glory to God. And receive your healing. Go home, be well, and live for him. I just proclaim his name. Amen? People say, explain it. I can't. Like the blind man. Whoa, once I was sick. Now I'm not. You explain that. That's the truth. That's why I love him. It's so simple. All you need is a meeting with the Saviour. You don't need doctrine. You don't need understanding. You need him. And let him doctor you. Let him deal with you. Amen? Glory to God. I went a long way around saying what I was saying, really. I could have said it shorter. Like, it doesn't matter what you think, what you believe. Just come and God will do it now. But I felt you needed an explanation. All right? Need healing? God will do it. Why? Because he loves you. And he won't do it for any reason. And he won't do it because you've done anything. He'll just do it because in his mercy and grace 2,000 years ago on Calvary tree he died. And he wants to heal you because he loves you. And he wants you to know he loves you. And this is a token of his love. He's going to heal you. Amen. When people ask you an explanation, tell them you haven't got one. Say, all I know is, I was sick. Jesus healed me. That's good enough. And then say, if you're sick, come and get healed too. Now, they might get angry with you and say, oh, we, 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 we follow Moses. We follow the Pope. We follow this. We follow that. You say, well, that might all very well, but the Pope didn't heal me. Jesus did. Amen. I always remember seeing these, these wheelchair cases when a Pope visited England. He went and he, he laid hands on these poor people in wheelchairs and blessed them. Made a sign of a cross over them and sprinkled holy water on them and didn't give them a towel. And there they sat in their wheelchair. They didn't get up. I thought if Jesus had been there, <laughs> he'd have got them out of the chair. if we're going to be the minister of Jesus Christ, that's what we want, isn't it? Amen. Glory to God. I love him. It's good to be able to laugh at religion. And to be able to thank God for the reality of Jesus Christ. What do you need tonight? Whatever you need is a saviour who's well able to meet the need. Depends how far you've come. Sometimes God will do a miracle and instantaneously someone will be perfectly whole. Other times he'll heal step by step. I've seen him do it both ways. Doesn't matter to me, but he'll do it all the same. He'll meet you because he loves you. And that's the whole end of it. He loves you. He died for you on Calvary's tree. He rose again victorious over all the foes and he wants to meet every need in your life. He wants to break the chains of fear, the mental torments in your life. He wants to take them all away. How will he do it? Well, he'll just do it. I don't know how. How will he heal? I don't know, but I know he will. Because he's wonderful. His name is Jesus. Amen? He loves you. Turn to the person next to you and just say, Jesus loves you. Go and tell them. He does. And because he loves you, he'll heal you. Go and tell him. <laughs> and that's the only reason. It's the only reason. I don't know how, but he will. Amen? Let's stand. Father, I just pray for everyone here, right now. Lord, that by your Spirit, you'll let them see there's only one healer. That's you, Lord Jesus. You're the divine physician. And Lord, I pray that your power and your life will begin to flow and your grace and your love will flow to everyone here this night. Lord, thank you that you are our Saviour. We don't understand how, we just understand you are. We understand you laid down your life for us and you rose again. We don't know how, we know you did. And Lord, we just come to you with a basis of simplicity, believe in you. Lord, that you're the same, you never change. Lord, let that healing power begin to flow into each body, each life now. Jesus' name. Now, if you want prayer, you just leave where you're sitting and where you're standing rather and just come up the front. We'll pray with you. If you put in a request for prayer, you come. And God will meet you. Come right up.